Now, a new report released today by the Mo Ibrahim Foundation says Africa has little chance of overcoming the COVID-19 pandemic unless 70% of its population is vaccinated by the end of 2022, which is the end of next year. Yet, quote-unquote, extreme vaccine discrimination is leaving the continent behind. It said only five of Africa's 54 countries are on track to reach a World Health Organization target of fully vaccinating 40% of the population by the end of 2021. Now, joining us to speak more about this is Dr. Aslam Dasu, who is convener of the Progressive Health Forum. Dr. Dasu, good to be talking to you once again, this time on Metro FM Talk. Good evening, Tommy. Good to be with you. Now, um, the Mo Ibrahim Foundation report uh, looks into, amongst other things, some of the hurdles that the African continent faces when it comes to COVID-19. What are your views on the report? Anything that stuck out for you? Well, I think the one thing that sticks out is the systematic way in which the report evokes all of the hurdles to the, the, the countries of the continent, um, uh, you know, having to get over those to, to, to get to the, to the position where they can exit the emergency phase of the pandemic. And I think just if I can just for, for a brief uh, moment... Uh, sketch the context here. You know, about 20-odd years ago, the eminent economist from Columbia, Professor Jeffrey Sachs, wrote quite an important paper, which he titled The Ecology of Underdevelopment, in which he sketched how African states and economies suffer under a burden of disease that they are always chasing and can never overcome because of the concomitant underdevelopment of those economies. And calling the ecology of underdevelopment, given that Africa's temperate and tropical uh, regions do harbor um, many disease-causing pathogens, this is a, a, a losing game. And I think when we look at what happened during the HIV AIDS uh, crisis when it blew up, uh, this came home very starkly that, in fact, Africa has very few resources and very little access to the important life-saving medications that are easily accessible in the rest of the world. And a lot of work went into trying to determine um, why that, that persists. And, and, and activists from around the world, and particularly on the continent, and I remember here in South Africa, finally got the developed world to accept that, indeed, Africa is so far behind in developing capacity that arrangements need to be made in the global economic order that allows them to proceed. So out of that grew the TRIPS agreement at the WTO, and other measures. But obviously, these have now proved to be fairly ineffectual, as the pandemic demonstrates. So Africa's uh, vaccination rate of just under 7% um, on average is 
is so pathetically low that to even consider the continent being free of the emergency of the pandemic is a stretch. And this is what the report, I think, details and lays out the consequences of that. One of the, um, I guess, the the stances of the Mo Ibrahim Foundation report is they looked at the challenges that you've outlined now, but they looked at them through the lens of governance performance in 54 African nations over a period of, of nine years from 2019 through, sorry, from 2010 through to 2019. So without looking at the external factors of, of why we are under-resourced, why there's a lack of access, why we are so far behind, and looking internally at our own governance systems and our own performance, um, talk to us about that and the role that maybe African countries themselves have played in our status quo. Well, of course. I think that goes without saying that there has been weak governance in the continent Ever since countries became independent of colonial rule, you know, from 70 years ago onwards. And, and we see this everywhere, that elites who inherited the colonial infrastructure did very little to change that infrastructure, except in one or two cases. Uh, we see it in stark uh, relief here in South Africa as well, where a large uh, underclass, of poverty-stricken people has actually grown since the end of apartheid. And, and there is a, a clear link between the level of governance and the level of development. Now, we know this. At the same time, it's very easy to point fingers at failing governance in Africa. That's, that's an easy target. But if you, if you were to unpack the arrangement the economic arrangements, because we live in a global economy, the economic arrangements, we see that there's every incentive to continue that poor governance for a tiny elite, leaving the development of states uh, quite poor. And I think the Moe Bryant Foundation has been looking at this and has been trying to create an incentive and in certain cases a disincentive for countries to continue along that vein. And so, so I think it is correct to lay a blame at the door of African leadership that has been found wanting. But one must understand that those African leaders that have understood the need to integrate into the global economy have been met with resistance because Africa is a, is a basin. It's a source of much of the, uh, uh, the, the commodities that are extracted from its soil and oceans and, and used to develop the developing world, uh, the developed world. Mm. And, and, and so and, and, it's and kind of chasing our tail. And, and perhaps let's, Sorry, leave it, let's leave it on that note just for a second. Uh, when we come back, we'll break this down further and perhaps also look at some of the key takeouts and, and some of the key recommendations um, that have come out of this Mo Ibrahim Foundation report. We're speaking to Dr. Aslam Dasu, convener of the Progressive Health Forum. It is exactly 7.51 on Metro FM Talk. Cheers to great South African brides. And to Mr. Beer, Mr. Beer.
Mr. Yonkin Sipiawash, he knows what he's drinking tonight. And it's not what he's brought. It's your castle. But hey, you can choose your friends. And you can choose your beer. But you can't choose your friend's beer. But whatever happens, when fire, friends, and castle meet, it must be bright clock. So bry, my beloved country. Because bry time is castle time. Castle logs. Drink responsibly. Bry responsibly. Not for persons under the age of 18. I am Lian Ali. I coach young people to surf and cope with the challenges of life. I'm getting vaccinated to protect myself from the fourth wave. Zwakala, join us. Take your shot. WhatsApp us on 076-252-5884. Proudly brought to you by the National Department of Health, the U.S. Agency for International Development, UN Verified, and UNICEF South Africa. There are many who spend, but there's only one put, Madlisa. But he, on one summer's afternoon, Madlisa got so tired of waiting for his taxi to be full that he paid for the empty seat himself. He collects SAB empties because he knows there's value in SAB empties. You too can be a Madlisa. Bring back any empty SAB 660 ml bottle and up to participate in retailers for a new deposit price of up to 1 rand 50 per bottle. T's and C's apply. Drink responsibly, not for persons under the age of 18. It is exactly 7.53 on Metro Vem Talk. This is the headline in conversation tonight with Dr. Aslam Adasu, convener of the Progressive Health Forum as we focus on Africa and vaccines and the Mo Ibrahim Foundation report. Now, Dr. Adasu, we've highlighted quite a, a number of issues, um, but perhaps let's focus on uh, what is behind Africa and discrimination or rather discrimination on the African continent. You were touching on it just a little bit before we went to the break, and uh, this is vaccine discrimination as well that we're talking about. Yes, certainly. I think, you know, it's important to understand that pandemics reveal. They reveal the schisms in society, the fractures of society, and start relief. They also pronounce, you know, they pronounce underlying tensions and prejudices and so on. And, and I think what we are seeing is a reflection of that, certainly at the global level. Now, we know that vaccines are produced by manufacturers in the global north. They are the big pharmaceutical giants that were able to develop the vaccine and now, you know, uh, produce them. And there's very little production anywhere else except in Asia, uh, in India and China in particular, but certainly very little on the African continent. So there's been a chronic underinvestment, apart from all of the other problems that face African countries. But there has been a chronic underinvestment in health systems. So even when vaccines are obtained, you know, delivering the vaccines through that logistical exercise of vaccination is often found wanting in many states. And this speaks to, you know, um, as I said, the lack of investment in, but also to the lack of foresight among African leadership. I think that's also what comes out in the report. If you are not aware of the global crises 
of climate change colliding with the, the crisis of neoliberal capitalism and COVID-level pandemics as a result of the loss of biodiversity, then you are not going to be able to address the issues facing the continent. Clearly, the, the, the lack of supply of vaccines to the continent has been a huge um, you know, exposure of this, of this uh, inequity. And I think the whole world was able to see it in its, in its you know, uh, naked form. And, and the fact that this pandemic is, um, is, is running along throughout the world and the rich nations are vaccinating themselves to the nth degree while Africa remains fairly unvaccinated tells you that we are not, as a globe, going to get out of this pandemic anytime soon. We're going to have to do much better. And we don't have the capacity to create here uh, sufficient amounts of vaccine. We do have one or two companies starting up. But we are looking then, if this goes ahead and there's proper investment in it at a 20-year timeline, where Africa could be self-sufficient in producing medicines and vaccines for itself. But it can't do that in isolation. Um, it, it requires the development of the entire uh, economic and social basis of these countries. Unfortunately, our political uh, vision and our political leadership is, is wanting in this regard. And it's not only because of their fault. It's that they find themselves in a, in a global order that's so iniquitous that it's sometimes just easier to give up on this. So how do we fix it is a big, I guess, existential question. Mm. But nothing in the last hundred years has given the world an opportunity to address that as the pandemic has given us. And, and you know, if, if, if the lessons that are so stark that coming out now in the pandemic are not learned, um, especially by the upcoming generation, um, and then, then we are in trouble as a continent for the next few decades and we'll be in that same downward spiral. And I think, you know, it was, uh, you know, I, I can't recall who it was who said that your, your, the, 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 the nature of the school, classroom, and the thinking there is the nature of the future uh, thinking in a government, you know? Um, and, and, and so we have a generation emerging that we are trying to educate, but who are left with very few prospects once the education is complete. And even if they do take the reins of power in the future, they will have very little to work with. So the, what we have to do, we have to do now. This generation of leaders have got to put us on a different footing. And, and what the Moe Bryan Foundation's report sets out are the key parameters that they have to look at. Because when you fix those, you have to not just fix the health system, you have to fix the economic system, you have to fix the employment systems, you have to fix the infrastructure of countries mm. as you address these things. And that's why this report is very valuable.
Dr. Aslam Dasu, thank you so much for taking us through it um, with so much depth as well as insight. Uh, certainly a, a generational project this is. Dr. Aslam Dasu, convener of the Progressive Health Forum on the Mo Ibrahim Foundation report into Africa, uh, COVID-19 and vaccine discrimination.